Hello and welcome to episode 8 of Bossing It, the weekly podcast for women in business brought to you by entrepreneurs Frankie Cotton and Lara Sheldrake. Today we discuss tools and techniques to overcome the fear of public speaking. We hope you enjoy. Glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. Glossophobia? Yeah, glossophobia. Where does that come from, Amanda? So, uh, glossa is the Greek word for tongue. Interesting. So, yeah, there you go. Fear of public speaking. Fear Isn't public that like speaking. one of the top fears? It is the top fear. And I'm glad you asked, Frankie, because I've got some stats here, so let's have a look <laughs> at them. I thought you might. Blue Peter style. Um, did you? Okay, so... Top 10 phobias, number one, winning at 19% of people having a fear of public speaking or stage fright, that's mental. And so that's the biggest of all the fears? That's the biggest of all the fears. Or like more than death? More than death. So number two at 16% is death and end of life. And then coming in at a close third... 13% 13% spiders and other arachnid creatures. Okay. I mean, I, I, they are, do you know what? I'm not, I'm not actually that fearful of death. It's obviously an inevitable <laughs> part of life. Um, I would, however, say public speaking and then spiders are probably my two top fears. In that order? Yeah, in that order. What about you? Um, well, I've always had a weird relationship with heights. Oh, and it's really, it's come and go throughout my life. Like, so sometimes, like there have been periods, particularly when I was a teenager, when I was absolutely petrified of like tall buildings or cliff edges oh or anything gosh. like that. But then I've had other times when it's completely gone. So but it, it comes and goes. It? God knows. But it's definitely, I always feel like a bit of vertigo. There's definitely something Yeah, in, I think that's that, quite common. But, um, but yeah. So that's actually number five. Heights, altitudes and elevations at 11%. Ah, so I'm not alone. You are not alone. Just, I mean, I'm, I'm definitely with the, the majority there. It really is one of my biggest fears. The thing about public speaking is that if you, if you're starting a business, it's, it's pretty much a rite of passage. Exactly. Like it's going to come at some point. Yeah. Even if, um, even if it's just internally, like mm. even just a presentation to your own employees, for example, yeah. you're still a version of public speaking, right? Yeah. You're speaking to like 20, 30 staff or... Totally. And then, you know, from a PR perspective, going on panels, going speaking at events, it's, it's crucial to help get your business out there. So it's definitely something that people... It really is. ...have to learn to yeah. overcome in some way. Exactly that. So my first public speaking experience within business was actually when I had just started at a new company and I was specialising in advertising um, technology sales. And I had joined the business to set up the team and department. They had not yet specialised in this specific area of advertising. And the CEO loved my presentation so much. I don't know whether he was just saying this and massaging my ego, but so much so that when I joined the company, he asked me to present the whole thing to the company and I was like oh, you're joking aren't you and I laughed kind of like you know patted him on the on the um on the arm he said no no I'm being serious and I, you know I just thought oh my god I about baptism of fire yeah and I totally shat myself and he told me the day I started and he said so if you can do it tomorrow in our in our main company meeting that'd be great and I just remember 
I didn't sleep well. I had a dodgy tummy. I was sweating at just the thought, just the idea oh of standing up. Honestly, it is one of my biggest fears. And it's something that I do keep putting myself, I do keep putting myself into these situations. Like even from a young age, I, I remember being petrified of being on stage and yet I'd still, you know, sign up to be a leading lady in, in the school play. I don't know what it is. Um, I obviously don't really like myself, but I knew it was a challenge that I just, had to overcome and, yeah and there's there is an element of excitement but it's definitely taken over by this this sheer fear of fucking up and I don't know you know if you try to sort of deconstruct that fear it's not really like I can explain oh you know I'm worried about losing my place or suddenly just you know forgetting where I was because all those things are manageable I think it's just the idea of standing in front of people and, and putting yourself up into this vulnerable state where mm. you're open for or to judgment I don't know if you because mm. well, yeah so what did you do like how did you overcome that in that instance uh I practice and practice and practice to be honest is is the only way I could feel confident enough to get up and speak to everyone in that way and even then I was absolutely bricking it but I just went over it again and again and again and I did it in front of my boyfriend at the time now husband um and I just kept asking for feedback and I think the the main thing that kept coming up was that I was doing it too quickly so to take breaths in between and to slow down and so yeah then I went in the next day and and I did it and it actually went really well and obviously the buzz you get especially at the end when you've done something like that and it's Mm. and it's well received and you just think oh my gosh what was I worried about but then that fear just comes straight back when you're up in that situation again yeah I mean I wouldn't say per se that I have a fear of public speaking and that I wouldn't if somebody was like are you scared what are you scared of Mm -hmm. I don't think I would necessarily no, you're quite, say you're, you're say actually that. really good public well, speaking but I do actually get petrified just beforehand really <laughs> yeah I do I get really petrified and I think it's in a way I think that the physiological symptoms that we get mm. and the way we feel about public speaking I think is actually a good thing because it shows that you acknowledge the situation that you're in and that you're respecting the, I think, the time and the attention that your audience is giving you. I think you don't have to be a slick, kind of confident person to be able to give a great presentation. And in fact, I think that can be of detriment. Mm. Your audi- An audience really responds well to vulnerability and to be a bit nervous around the edges, I think is fine. And people are genuinely willing speakers want to do, do they well, want you to they? do well yeah. and they want you to kind of so share true. what you want to what you want to say equally on the flip side people who are over prepared or maybe that's not fair people who are overconfident and perhaps underprepared because of that mm. they think they've just got it they're great at public speaking and and maybe they use particular tactics I think sometimes that can really put an audience off yeah. And it doesn't come across as authentic or genuine. And that's something that um, Chris Anderson, the founder of TED, talks about in his book, TED Talks, The Art of Public Speaking. Mm. And he says exactly that. And actually, he says that your number one mission as a speaker is to take something that matters deeply to you and to rebuild it inside the minds of your listeners. We'll call that something an idea, a mental construct that they can hold on to, walk away with, value, and in some sense be changed by. And even though he does talk about different techniques and ways that you can kind of um, connect with your audience and, and you know, just there's, there's always going to be ways that you can refine your delivery. 
But ultimately, he makes a huge point of saying that your idea and what you have to share is the most important thing. That's so true. That's the substance, isn't it? Yeah. And without that, what are yeah. you? I think having that fear is actually really important. As you say, it humanizes you. Mm-hmm. Um, and have, being in that state of vulnerability, people would expect you to feel some form of fear. Um, but something that Tim Ferriss says in his podcast um, with Susan Cain, so it's number thir- 357, How to Overcome Fear and Embrace Creativity. And it's a fantastic podcast. And he he says there is no courage without the presence of fear, which I absolutely love. And also to harness the fear and channel it as energy for your performance. And I think that's so mm. true. You know, using that, using that feeling of fear and channeling it so you know trying to be in control of it focusing on your breath using your diaphragm all those types of things and having that genuine belief in what it is that you're talking about which I guess is you know what you're saying there about the importance of substance and believing in what you're talking about and and the message that you're trying to get across Mm. I think it's a whole combination of things isn't there to consider what so does he share sort of tactics and ways that he is that what the podcast yeah, episode so is about the, the podcast episode is actually more about susan kane so susan kane is the author of quiet power the secret strengths of introverts and quiet have you talked have you read ah, this no i haven't but i'm really interested to hear what you have to say about yeah it. It, it's amazing and she she it's quite a long episode so i listened to it across three days i think but she talks about how she came up with the idea of the book and how she had to rewrite it and actually wrote it over seven years in the end because to her it had to be right and it had to be perfect and it had to be a slow process and something that she really considered properly so it's all about um the idea of introvert extrovert and how you can be an introvert but you can be really confident because Mm. do you know much about I wouldn't want to bastardise it because I can imagine well, that. Well, <laughs> I'm not an expert, um, but the, the simple kind of concept is that someone who's an introvert is someone who doesn't do well around lots of people, lots of sort of stimulation and things going on around you. You're very receptive um, and, I guess, sensitive to different people's energies. And being an extrovert is someone who literally thrives in that environment. So... Susan talks about the idea of being yeah, an introvert and someone who can be much more comfortable in a one-to-one scenario but can be incredibly confident and also someone who can stand up on stage and yes, is perhaps a bit uncomfortable with the number of people that are within their surroundings but can actually convey their message really confidently. But then, you know, they might walk behind stage and, and just need a minute to be on their own because that's that's how they kind of bring themselves back to themselves. Is it that black and white? Does she say that, you know, you're either an extrovert or an introvert? Or is there no, some way... like there's, there's definitely... Depending on the situation that you're in and mm-hmm. how you're feeling and how you're receiving a certain situation, mm-hmm. you can be more comfortable in groups of people and then perhaps in other situations you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really complex. And I think, you know, it's perhaps one that can be discussed over a whole episode. But she talks about the fact that to her, her biggest fear in the whole world was public speaking and she knew it was something that she had to nail because obviously releasing her book she wanted to be able to talk about it on stage and promote (laughs) it and so she had this TED Talks coming up where she was talking about the concept around the strengths of being an introvert and for a whole week before she basically didn't eat because she was so fearful and she hired a, a public speaking coach and she basically 
rehearse, 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 practice, practice, practice. And some of the advice that she was given was to start off practicing with small groups of people and just work your way up. Mm. So she joined Toastmasters and other kind of communities where they basically provide you with an environment or a situation where you've got small groups of people who, like you, want to practice public speaking. You take it in turns to talk about such a good idea. It's such a good idea and it totally makes sense. And even Tim was saying, you know, he's he's done loads of talks, loads of TED talks, and um, he he talks about the fact that he still gets nervous. But actually, the more you do it, the more you practice, the more confident you feel. Oh, totally! And it, it makes sense, yeah. right? It's so it's so simple. That's it. I think it's like I think it's like anything. There's you don't go from you know one day being at home quite comfortable and then the next having to deliver a TED talk to thousands of people that's also going to get recorded and published on the internet like there are small steps and things that you can do and actually to seek out those smaller opportunities is a really great way of experimenting with how you react how you prepare you know I've I've done it um like last year I was giving a couple of talks and um I've tried the really over-prepared route Mm. um not over-prepared but I would say the prepared route where yeah. I've really, really spent a hell of a lot of time crafting the message. And then I kind of thought, well, why don't I try not preparing as much? Mm-hmm. And um, I know the subject matter inside out. So why don't I try not having some slides? I'll just stand there and try and speak from the heart. Now, for me, that that didn't work. It didn't. It didn't. And I was like, what didn't work about it? Your delivery, your confidence in it? It was mm, what didn't work. I think that by really preparing for a talk, you can spot holes in terms of your idea development. Okay, that's interesting. So I think you might have a very strong idea and it makes sense and you might talk about it a lot, but when you have to articulate it with a clear objective in terms of how you want your audience to feel or what you want them to take away, Mm. that's a very different situation and by preparing you un you can and going through that idea development you realize well actually that doesn't make sense for an audience who maybe don't know me or don't know this business per se or or whatever it is by under preparing you don't have the luxury of doing that so you Mm. realize as you're delivering it you realize well things don't stick but I've I've kind of I'd been reading different things so I'd read you know I'd read the um Chris Anderson TED Talks book which which he does focus on preparing. I've also listened to people like Eckhart Tolle for example. Yeah. I mean obviously a completely different category of um <laughs> of books and teachings and everything else but he he's a great speaker and he always speaks from the heart because his whole message is about presence in the moment mm-hmm. and his philosophy is in every moment you will find the words to fit that moment and I've listened to so many of his books and his teachings and courses and he always says the perfect thing, yeah, right? So I was like, wow, maybe that's the answer. Maybe I'll try that. Oh I tried gosh, it. It didn't you know it didn't work for me. Yeah. So I it's think it's a tricky one, isn't it? Yeah. But he's been doing it for years and years and years and years. And what he does is teach from the heart and it's different. Exactly. You weren't talking about spirituality and how to feel. You were talking about something probably quite complex, mechanical, something that you really needed to consider how it was going to be received by perhaps someone who isn't au fait with, let's say, marketing, mm. for example. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I and I do think that 
you know, coming back to your point where you were saying earlier about trying things and doing different talks is that if you can just practice, you'll figure out the right thing that works for you. Maybe some people are better at being more prepared. Some people maybe speak better from the heart. Some people maybe need, you know, um, visual cues and mm. are really great with presentations and, and perhaps some people are better without. But unless you do that and do it in lots of increments, figure it out, listen to your audience, you know, pick up on the on the data in terms of how they're responding exactly. to me, how is this feedback, resonating. Feedback, the only feedback. way to do it and to get better is just to do it. And sometimes that means you also have to fuck it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's like anything. It's just always error correcting to improve, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I completely agree. And I guess what works for one person won't necessarily work for another. So you can read all the books and watch all the videos, but actually you've just got to figure out what works for you. I watched um, a TED Talks video actually this morning on the surprising secret to speaking with confidence with Caroline Goider, who's a voice coach. She talks about there being kind of three um, kind of steps to the secret in having confidence on stage. The first one is your voice. So it's an instrument that if used correctly can be incredibly effective, right? So it's about expression. It's about, um, you know, the way in which you deliver your message. So how do you use your voice? How do you project it? And also kind of practicing that. So it goes back to that element of practicing. How does your voice sound? How is it received? How are you expressing yourself? How how are you using your hands when you're talking? Um, so that's number one. Number two is your diaphragm. So for those who don't know, the diaphragm is a thin skeletal muscle that sits on the base of your chest and separates the abdomen from the chest. It contracts and flattens when you inhale. So this creates a vacuum effect that pulls air into the lungs. And then when you exhale, the diaphragm relaxes and the air then is pushed out of the lungs. So the idea of using your diaphragm when you breathe is essentially to relax you. And it's something that people talk about in yoga, meditation, during childbirth. And it's something that's completely underutilized. So she talks about the idea of really understanding the effects of using your diaphragm correctly. Because sometimes when people breathe, if you take a deep breath, you might find that your chest expands and your lungs fill with air. But what you really should be focusing on is your diaphragm, which is that bit between kind of your top half chest and your tummy. So when you breathe, really, your your stomach should feel like it's expanding. And that's when you get that full rush of air and oxygen to your body. Mm. And then when you push it all out, you're feeling relaxed. So I thought that was a really good tip, actually. So a lot of people kind of end up breathing quickly in and out. And then they kind of say what they want to say. And they're not fully expanding their diaphragm and, and taking that breath in. And as a speaker, that then stresses you out. Totally. Like if, if, if you're speaking and you think, oh my God, I'm not breathing. Exactly. And then you're like, how much more can I talk? How much more <laughs> can I speak for before I have to take a big breath? Exactly. And it just, yeah, it, it's not fluid and it's very stressful. And you're starving your brain essentially of oxygen and then and therefore sort of brain power. And I remember once standing on stage and um, there must have been about 250 people at this event that I had organised for a company that I was working for at the time. And it was a panel discussion and I was chairing it. And I remember introducing people and I got caught up in my head trying to say the things I was trying to say before I forgot them because I didn't want to read off a piece of paper. And I forgot to breathe properly. And so I found myself kind of stuck for air and therefore getting caught over my words. And before I knew it, I, I'd forgotten what I was trying to say. And if I had just relaxed in that moment, taken a deep breath mm-hmm. and then just just kind of, you know, gathered my thoughts, I don't think I would have been in such a panic. Mm-hmm. So I guess that brings us on to the third, the third point, 
that um, Caroline talks about, which is essentially air. It's what you breathe in. And she says, in breath is essentially thought. So when you breathe in a thought of excitement, you can then breathe out and exhale that excitement. So if you're breathing in through your diaphragm and you're thinking calm and you're being collected, when you breathe out and you speak, it it mirrors your intention when you breathe in. And I know that sounds a little bit wooey, um, but she talks about the power of thought and feeling and how when you breathe out, she says, inspiration and respiration have the same root. I love that. Isn't that, yeah. I, I really mean, amazing, isn't fucking it? love that. Yeah. I really want to listen to this. Yeah, it's so, it's so good. I'll, I'll put the link in the show notes, but she says, we speak on the out breath. So all you need to do is think on the in breath through your nose, close your mouth, so breathe in through your nose yeah, and not out through, not your, through mouth. your mouth, yeah, I guess, which is exactly. another And it all mistake. sounds very simple, but when you fully understand the anatomy, how how your voice is projected, how to breathe properly so you get the amount of oxygen you need running through your body, and then how to kind of process your thoughts and articulate them, it sounds so simple, but it's so effective. It's really interesting what you're saying, because now I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about um, <laughs> speaking on an in-breath. Yeah. And it's possible, but that's the stressful thing, isn't it? Very. If you're somebody who holds their breath and speaks holding your breath, so you're not releasing the breath and speaking. So true. But that's like in a panic state. That's what you do. Yeah. Especially when you're up on stage and you've got all these faces looking at you and it's like judgment, fear, am I going to forget? All these things start Mm. running through your mind. The way you then physiologically react is is kind of also reflected in how you how you deliver I guess it's also managing the old classic what's the worst that could happen totally I I this poor there was this poor woman I, I saw um deliver a presentation at an event not too long ago and she really really choked oh, no. and she ended up she totally lost it and she ended up apologizing and to the audience which I think was maybe slightly larger than she was expecting and mm. and I felt for her so much oh, and my heart went out to this woman and she was so so stressed about it but ultimately what's the worst that happened I I didn't feel I didn't I, no I didn't no. feel negatively towards her at all in that moment I wanted to give her a hug mm. but afterwards it didn't change my view on her as an individual or on her business, I thought, you know what, people make mistakes, perhaps she's a bit underprepared, but ultimately, you know, she gave it a go, she was vulnerable and human, and that's the case for all of us, and I'm sure that that probably sticks out as a memory for her, but at the end of the day, it's past, it's gone, there are only maybe a hundred of us in that room, and she can kind of move on. And learn from it. And learn from it, Mm. and I guess that's the other thing as well, is that we all fuck up sometimes, and we all fail, and it's just dealing with that and kind of being okay with it. Because mm. if you don't have the courage to try, you're never going to develop, right? Totally. And you're never going to grow your skills. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Something really interesting, actually, I heard. This was a couple of weeks back, actually, but I was listening to a How to Fail with Elizabeth Day podcast episode. Oh, yeah. And she had, um, she had Deborah Francis White, the stand-up comedian and uh, leader of the Guilty Feminist mm-hmm. on there. It was such an interesting episode. And what Deborah did is she spoke about, she talks in depth about how improvisation workshops when she was growing up and through sort of young adulthood yeah, taught her how to not only be comfortable with failing, but how to actually enjoy it. 
Um, so when you're trying to entertain people and it's not working, she said start to approach it like a data collection process. So it's almost like you apply this scientific mindset of like, okay, I've tried that and it didn't work. You know, I tried that and it worked. Okay, great. So all you're doing is data collection. So rather than thinking my ego is bruised, me as an individual is failing, this is terrible. Yeah. It's thinking, okay, I'm just trying these techniques or I'm trying these ideas and 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 I'm testing. And every time I fail, I get better. And I just found it it's such, such a great an, way of looking at it, isn't it? It's so interesting. Mm. And, you know, listening to somebody who's an incredible stand-up comedian, you know, if you think of what's the opposite of... She's amazing. ...kind of a fear of public speaking, yeah. it would be being a stand-up comedian, right? Like, yeah. the fear of something like that for people is so strong. Mm. I found it really interesting thinking about young people and children and how we should encourage them to do more kind of theatre and improvisation skills and things like this, because ultimately... It, they're not soft subjects they are skills for life they really if are. you can survive an improvisation workshop where you have to keep getting up making up stuff you know all of these techniques and this stuff that in that moment just makes you want to die I'm sitting inside. here thinking that is my worst nightmare but there's something about it i actually really want to do maybe yeah, we should do it it's- yeah, maybe, maybe we should. We should maybe we should go to a workshop. Because I think what it does is it completely eradicates your ego and it just very quickly, you just, you start thinking differently about it. But ultimately, you know, if young people learn those skills, then as you grow through business and your career, you're armed with so much kind of, I don't even know with if the confidence is the right I word, but well. it's the tools, the yeah. techniques and the comfort in failing and com- the comfort in that environment. I think it's so it's so important and it's certainly I mean I don't have children so I don't know if it's a conversation that's going on in schools it may well be but I know when I have kids I would really like to get them involved in the same way that I was with the theatre yeah. so they can develop those kinds of skills. 100% I'm completely with you there and you know what I, I don't know about schools but I don't think they do a lot around preparing you for actual business and I think that's some that's a conversation that's happening quite a lot at the moment. Why why are people not armed with those types of tools? Mm. Because it's still those sort of basic syllabus subjects, but these types of things are setting you up with life skills, which I think, as you say, would be amazing. Yeah. Um being able to eloquently communicate an idea to groups of people is such a key skill and it's also something that robots can't do that's very true that's very true so as the business world is replaced by more and more automation ai and everything else these things these very human skills are going to be the core of how we do our work Mm -hmm. and where we have a place in business and that you know delivering a talk inspiring people and sharing ideas is something that is uniquely human and we should all be invested in that I completely agree. And do you know what? Just thinking about how public speaking is the biggest fear in the world, especially in Western society, right? Imagine how many people have incredible ideas and wonderful businesses, but they just can't take it to the next level because they've let that fear take over them. I mean, that thought is really sad. Yeah, it's really sad. It really is. I I think you make such a good point. That is, yeah, I mean, if there's 20% of people, nearly 20% of people have that fear, that could be 20% of world-changing ideas ideas yeah. and startups and entrepreneurs that, totally. that aren't getting things out there because of that, being held back by that fear, which just, mm-hmm. yeah, it's really sad. It is really sad. <laughs> so if we were going to give, let's say, three tips, I'm putting you on the spot now, I'll go yep. first. 
Breathing is completely underrated. So breath is is crucial. I watched a video once uh, about the 478 breath technique or breathing technique, which is you breathe in for four. So one, two, three, four, breathing in. You hold your breath for seven seconds and then you breathe out for eight seconds. And that prolonged process of breathing ensures that not only are you calmer and you've reduced your cortisol levels, but you've allowed more oxygen to flow through your body. Practicing and being confident in your delivery And then I guess the third thing is maybe smiling, which is something that a lot of people, I think, forget to do. Because at the end of the day, if you're not enjoying it, people are going to pick up on that. And I think Mm. smiling is such an effective way of getting that mirrored response of enjoyment. Yeah, and engagement with the audience. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, it comes across. You can hear in somebody's voice if they're smiling. Yeah, that's so true. What would you say? I would say something to try is recording a podcast. Oh, yeah. Podcast. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's a great exercise. I think we should sure. share this story <laughs> with listeners. But Lara and I tried to, we first attempted creating a podcast for Found and Flourish about six months before we actually launched yeah, what, what you guys are listening to now. And we recorded an episode back in the summer and it was a complete car crash, mm. to be honest. Mm. And and listening back to it, I think for both of us was really painful. But what we realized, <laughs> what we realized is actually we needed to find our voice. Mm. And we were two very lost people, weren't we? Yeah. And actually what that did was it shone a light for us on, wow, is that how I sound? I had no idea that I sounded so um maybe not confident or Mm. confused or lost or it just really recording and listening to yourself back even if you don't publish it even if it's not a public podcast but just the act of doing that I think helps you to understand maybe where your mind's at and how your mind is communicating with what's coming out of your mouth it's such good and it gives you such a different perspective it really does yeah that it gives you a more objective perspective that you can't get by just being in your head or listening to yourself as yourself in the Mm. moment if that makes sense so that would be my advice is record yourself listen to it everyone hates the sound of their own voice you'll get over that pretty quickly but I think that certainly helps too yeah I I would 100% agree there I mean listening to yourself over understanding the different ways in which you're saying things perhaps your breath or little filler words you know it's so interesting isn't it yeah it's exactly that it's filler words and weird like things that you do with your voice or ways (laughs) that you breathe or or, or how you I don't know all of this kind of random stuff that when you listen to it back you just go what that is such a car crash (laughs) but knowledge is power and it allows you to work on those things which if you're not aware of them then you then you've got no chance of working on them so such good advice yeah I would I would recommend that everyone starts (laughs) recording themselves talking awesome Well, thank you so much, Laura, for all your insights. That was super valuable. No problem. I'm so pleased you found it useful. As always, the notes will be in the show notes for the podcast this week. And if you have any questions or feedback, uh, please let us know. Don't forget to rate and review us and join the conversation by hashtagging BossingItPod. And thank you so much for listening this week.
Thanks. And don't forget, if you want to come to any of our upcoming events, you can visit our website, foundflourish.co.uk. Click on the events tab at the top of the menu there and you can find out what's coming up in London over the next month or so. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye.